Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever and delighted you are here, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guest, which will include Dan Graziano in just a minute with the very latest on the trouble in Pittsburgh. He'll be on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Lots in the hopper today. It is a huge sports week. Huge. Because not only do we have all of the football going on, we've got the on the field stuff. We have the off the field stuff. We have all the college football going on as well. And then we have my favorite event of the sporting year coming at a time that it has never come in my lifetime. And that is the Masters at Augusta this week, which I'm looking forward to more than I can put into words. I have a little bit to do on that today that we will get into. I've said this for many years. I remember we used to have this debate on Mike and Mike all the time. If there was one trophy that you could have, one winner's prize that you could have in any sport, what would it be? And there were a lot of interesting ones. Obviously, some of the championship trophies having your name on the Stanley Cup, all all those sorts of things uh, would come up. And obviously, a gold medal would be a very good individual one. But for me, no question about it, would be a green jacket. It's obviously something I will never have in my lifetime. I actually did buy myself a green jacket just so I could have a green jacket, just because I like the idea of the green jacket. But it is my favorite sporting event. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you told me, that I could only watch one day of televised sports a year. And that would include the Super Bowl and anything and everything else. I would watch Sunday at the Masters. Now, this is going to be an entirely different year. It's a tradition unlike any other. And this year, it will be unlike any other tradition at the Masters. But we will have plenty of time to talk about that as we go. We'll have a little fun with it along the way. But obviously, our lead story today is not so much fun uh, and that is the latest in Pittsburgh. Do we have Graziano ready, guys? Is he there? Is he ready to go? Okay, beautiful. Dan Graziano, my NFL insider, who actually had this news right as we wrapped up, get up this morning, is with me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Dan, for those who've not yet heard and are, are just sort of getting in touch with what's happening today for the first time, catch us up on what has happened in Pittsburgh. Yeah, tight end Vance McDonald tested positive after Sunday's game. Uh, Today, the Steelers put an additional four players on their COVID-19 reserve list, one of whom is the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. The reason these guys are on the list is because they were identified as high-risk, close contact with McDonald. So they know McDonald tests positive. They find out everybody he's been in close contact with. Then they assess how many of those are, quote, high-risk, and that, you know, how long you were were next to him, uh, whether you were wearing a mask, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of factors go into that. And then anyone who is in that category has to isolate and then uh, for five days, assuming they can test negative all five days, they could be back. So as soon as Roethlisberger could be back at practice uh, would be Saturday if they have a walkthrough or a practice on Saturday. If he tests negative all week, he could still play in Sunday's game. But obviously, if he doesn't, um, then that sets the clock way back. This exact thing happened with Matthew Stafford last week in Detroit, where he also was a close contact. He tested negative for five consecutive days, and he did play this past Sunday. And it may have had nothing whatsoever to do with it, but he did not play well. I took note of that. I I wanted to see if it would obviously impact the way he played. And again, I, I can't sit here and tell you that it did. But I know for sure he didn't play well. He didn't look good. And the Lions lost and looked bad doing it. So one does wonder... That a guy like Ben, who's been the quarterback there for whatever it is, almost 20 years, uh, and has been banged around a little bit, if this might not be an opportunity to just give him a week off and see where they would go from there. What do you think? 
Well, I, I don't think they're planning to give him a week off, like in terms of the game. But the one thing to watch here with Ben is, you know, he came out of Sunday's game with a knee injury. Right. So he would be getting rehab on that all week and treatment on that all week. And that, that's an interesting wrinkle here because players who are getting treatment for injuries are allowed in the team facility, even if they are on the COVID-19 list. But it's regulated when he can go, how many people, how few people have to be there. when he, So he has to go at certain times and, and can't be around uh, very many people while he is there. So he will still be able to get that kind of treatment. But to your point on Stafford, he won't be able to practice. And I mean, there's a reason they practice. Uh, no matter how long you've been there, you benefit from it. So uh, we'll see as the week goes along. I'm sure you know, Mike Tomlin usually talks around this time on Tuesday, and I'm sure he'll address it to the extent to whether uh, how comfortable they would be with Ben playing if he didn't practice this week, which obviously it sounds like he won't. So uh, it's worth watching. It'd be Mason Rudolph would be the next guy up against the Bengals if that were the case. Uh, and this is, you know, life in 2020. It is. It's an interesting week, too. They play Cincinnati, which is, I think, a very interesting game. Joe Burrow has impressed everyone to this point. I, I was looking forward, well, I am looking forward to watching that game. Obviously, if Roethlisberger is not there, it changes the dynamic. So that is the big story from today. Again, four players go on the COVID list for the Steelers. Their quarterback is one of them. There is still a chance that he winds up playing on Sunday. We'll follow the tests. The other thing I wanted to ask you about quickly, Dan, while I have you, the owners' meetings going on, and there are two stories that are coming out of there that you touched on very briefly this morning that I wanted to just make sure everyone is aware of. One of them involves the Rooney Rule. The other involves the playoffs for this year. Let's go through those. Well, the first one you mentioned, the Rooney Rule, the league is upset about the lack of minority hiring and head coach and GM positions, so they're trying to find a way to sort of legislate changes. And one of the proposals that will be brought up today and voted on today would award additional draft picks, two third-round compensatory picks, to a team that developed a minority coach or executive that was hired by another team as a GS. And it's, for instance, if Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, gets a head coach job this offseason, the Chiefs would get a, an extra third-round pick in the 21 draft and an extra third-round pick in the 22 draft. Um, and so the, the idea is to incentivize teams to uh, put these guys in positions where they become, yeah, I guess, more attractive head coaches to teams that, that just haven't been hiring them. And same thing with the, in the front offices with the GM roles. So I, I think that's got a pretty good chance to pass. When it first came up in the offseason, the idea was to award picks to, to teams that hired uh, minority candidates as their head coaches, but there was pushback on that because um, you, you wouldn't want that to be the reason you got hired uh, so you get an extra draft pick. So this sounds like it has a lot of support. And the other you mentioned is a contingency. Uh, they would ex- it would expand the playoffs this year only to eight teams per conference if they get to a point at the end of the year where um, there have been a lot of cancellations, where uh, they haven't been able to make up all the games as a result of COVID cancellations, and they don't want to just add, game, uh, add regular season weeks at the end because the teams that would get the buys would have too much time off. So – this proposal would eliminate the buys and just have eight teams per conference. So again, that's a just in case, just in case measure uh, if they continue to have problems with scheduling because of the uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah, a reminder that this year, for the first time, they've gone to seven teams in each conference. That's a permanent change. That will stay under these circumstances. If games that could impact, the way I understood it from you this morning, if games that in theory could impact playoff positioning or playoff seating or even making it or not making it wind up not getting played, then that would be a circumstance where maybe you add an eighth team just so it isn't 
totally unfair. You know, I've quoted you so many times, Dan, on this radio show over the last, whatever, six weeks, because you said something to me that I, I think was really important and that I just continue to remind people. This year and this year only, fairness is not the first priority. Just getting to the finish line is the priority. And whereas in any other circumstance, we prioritize fairness in sports above everything, this is one year where that's just not an option. Yeah, it's just going to have to fall by the wayside in some cases. And there, are going to be, there, there could be games that just don't get made up. But to your point, if they have bearing on the, on the playoffs seating uh, or, um, you know, like you said, whether the team gets in or not, uh, they're going to try their hardest to do that. And, and expanding the playoffs to eight teams per conference could help cushion the blow if a team, you know, a team, like, team didn't get to play all its games and therefore didn't get a chance to get that seventh spot. So just trying to stay flexible as much as they can. This meeting's going on now. There's a uh, briefing on it in about three hours. Uh, so we'll have some, we'll have news on it tomorrow on Get Up. Okay. I look forward to that. Thank you, Dan, for jumping in here. Good to see you as always. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. That again, our top story there is Ben Roethlisberger. His status for this weekend, I guess at this point, would be described as up in the air. And as we continue today, I invite you to be a part, as always, of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. We'll do the calls a little bit later this morning. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. I suppose it's worth mentioning again that the possibility of adding an eighth playoff team might impact the team that we saw win last night. Let's get you to Monday Night Football last night, and that was the Patriots on a field goal with no time left by former Jet Nick Folk of 51 yards, beating the Jets, coming from 10 points down in the second half to win that game against an absolutely terrible Jets team that played by far its best game of the season without its starting quarterback. Just the continuation of the misery that has been 2020 for the Jets. And it is, it is it's just, a, you know that I hate, I, there's nothing in sports I hate more than tanking. I, I think tanking is a plague. I, I, th- I think it is, a, well, it's a terrible choice of words, excuse me. Tanking is a, it is a terrible thing in sports. I hate it. And yet I cannot, I, I cannot help but admit that as that game is going on, I'm thinking to myself, boy, I hope the Jets don't find a way to win this. Boy, I hope the Patriots wind up winning this. And that is, again, a flaw in the system. The system should not be such that it is incentivized to lose. No team should ever be better off losing a game than winning. And it is inarguable that the Jets last night were better off losing that game than winning. As far as the Patriots are concerned, I'm going to save my Jets' thoughts for a little bit later. As far as the Patriots are concerned, they're now sitting there at 3-5. and Was there anything that you saw in them that you have seen in them that would give you the impression in any way that this is a team that could make a second-half run to a playoff spot? For me, the answer is definitively no. I don't see it at all. In fact, if you watch that game last night, and I believe the Jets are not only the worst team in the NFL, but one of the worst teams we've seen in the NFL in a while, I believe that there is very little discernible difference in the talent level between the two sides. I think the Patriots are that bad. I think it is actually somewhat remarkable that they could that they could wind up in this even remotely anyway. And the question is, if you look through the AFC, if you were to go to eight teams right now, Buffalo is seven and two, Miami is five and three, the Steelers are eight and zero, the Ravens are six and two, the Browns are five and three, the Titans are six and two, the Colts are five and three, the Chiefs are eight and one, the Raiders are five and three. So that's just too many teams. 
So do I believe the Patriots are going to make a second half run and get anywhere? I think the answer to that is definitively no. So I think the much more interesting questions for the Patriots coming out of that game last night are these. Who is their quarterback going to be week one next year? And is Cam Newton going to be anyone's quarterback week one next year? Let's start with the first one. I'm old enough to remember when Jared Stidham was going to be the future of the Patriots. I'm old enough to remember when all the talk was about how good he was, how good he looked, how high on him the Patriots were. It's a good indication of how we really must be very skeptical of anything we hear coming out of these organizations. I'm not singling out the Patriots in this case. I'm saying all the time, you're never going to hear any team say, boy, the guy we have right now that we're trying to develop behind Brady, boy, he stinks. This guy Stidham is awful. We're doomed if we have to go to him. He'll definitely never be our quarterback. That's not how Belichick kept flipping these backups into draft picks over all the years. So they made sure everybody thought that Stidham was looking good. But the reality is, everything we understand is that Cam Newton is going to be their quarterback the rest of the way. And he was better last night. But that was still an ugly, ugly game. Their offense is terrible. I mean, they're without all of their offensive skill players. They turned Jacoby Myers last night into a guy who caught 12 balls for 160. So they're just a bad team. But I do not believe that the future of their quarterback position is on their roster now. I do not believe week one of next year that Cam Newton will be their quarterback or Jared Stidham will be their quarterback. So the question is, who will it be? They're not going to be in a position, as of last night, it is official, they are not going to be in a position to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. There are too many teams that are going to wind up being way worse than they are. So what is Bill interested in? Is Bill at his age, I, I, we had this the other day, is Bill 68? Do we decide he's 68, fellas? I believe Bill is 68 years old. Does Bill Belichick at that age, he's definitively in his late 60s. I know that Carroll is the oldest coach in the league at 69. 68 is right. So Bill Belichick at 68, is he interested in starting over again around a rookie quarterback? Or does he want to try and put something together on the fly? Bill has never been a something together on the fly kind of guy. But then again, he's always had Brady. So he was always just kind of moving pieces around the all-time great quarterback. He doesn't have that. Now we've got to figure out what the quarterback is going to be. So is he thinking about start build, blowing the roster up, starting all over again, building through the draft and trying to build something that will be good two or three years from now? Or does he go quick fix? If he goes quick fix, there'll be quarterbacks out there. I mean, I think any number of them, Jimmy Garoppolo is the first that comes to mind as someone who might be available and obviously has a history with Bill in New England. And Matt Ryan might be someone who becomes available. Could Matthew Stafford be someone who becomes available? There'll be a lot of interesting names. So who will Belichick's quarterback be week one next year? That's one very interesting question. The other is, will Cam Newton be anyone's quarterback next year? And he has eight games left to try and present a compelling case that he should be. And it is always very dangerous. I always say we are professional overreactors here. We, we are reacting to things that we've seen and ignoring the fact that we're only halfway through this year. So things could get a lot better. And he's got bad talent around him and he had the coronavirus and everything else. But it's worth reminding you that 31 teams decided they were not interested in Cam Newton this year at, at practically any price. And has he given you anything, any indication through the first half of this season that they were wrong, that someone should be thinking, Cam Newton is my answer at quarterback. I, to this point, I haven't seen it. Looked awfully good week two. Outside of that, not so good. So we've got eight weeks to figure that out. He's got eight weeks to try and put stuff on tape that convinces people he is their answer. 
So we'll see. But that, to me, is the storyline coming out of what was, for all intents and purposes, a really terrible game last night on Monday Night Football between two teams, not one team going directly to the top of the draft and another team not going anywhere particularly interesting this year. Greedy with you and a reminder that as of yesterday, so today and for the rest of our lives, you can stream this show. You can watch us anytime you want on ESPN+. Plus. And ESPN Plus will be your home for live daily coverage of the Masters. Sign up at ESPN Plus. You get the coverage of the Masters. Plus, you got Michael Collins continuing his journey across the country in a new episode of his original series, America's Caddy, covering the Masters and interviewing golf's biggest stars. There's all that and a whole lot more, and it's only on ESPN Plus. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. So there's something I want you to know when it comes to the Masters. I told you earlier that this is my favorite sporting event of the year, and there were so many things about it that I love. First and foremost, the golf and the golf course, of course. If it weren't for those things, then none of the rest of it would matter. But there are a lot of other things about it that I like. And my favorite thing about it that I like is the traditional champion's dinner, which is tonight. Tonight, Tuesday of Masters week, all of the champions and only the former champions are invited to a dinner at Augusta National. And the defending champion, the reigning champion, gets to choose the menu for everybody that night. I think that is a fantastic, fantastic tradition. And Tiger Woods, of course, is the reigning champion. He's been that on multiple occasions. And this year, I believe the dinner that he chose is steak fajitas, sushi and sashimi, and milkshakes. Sounds good to me. Again, they'll make anything you want. And so I find myself wondering... If I should be in that position, and while I have been working like crazy on my game, I consider it unlikely at this stage that I will ever be a Masters champion, considering I'm 53 years old and I have a 7.1 index. But in the extraordinarily unlikely event that I should ever win the Masters and get to choose the menu, I started wondering what would my Masters dinner be? What would my champion's dinner be? And so I'd like to hear what yours would be. We haven't done anything like this on this new show, and I think it would be fun to do. So tweet at me, just use the hashtag Greeny, hashtag Greeny with a Y. If you were to win the Masters and you could choose the menu for the following year's Champions Dinner, what would you serve? I'll tell you what I would serve. I put together, I spent a little time, I'll give you an indication of just how into this I am. I spent a lot of time, actually Stace and I sat down over lunch and put together my Masters Champion meal. So let me, wait a minute, it has disappeared. Where is my, here it is. Here is my Masters Champion meal. There's only one place that it starts. Any of you who've been listening to me for a long time know where it begins. You have to start with a caprese salad. There is nothing I love more than the caprese. The more that you put on it, the better. If it's just tomatoes and fresh mozzarella, okay, I can live with that. I like that. But the more you add, the, the happier I am. Marinated mushrooms in. Artichokes, check. Roasted red peppers, couldn't be more in. You want to put a little meat on the outside of it, a little prosciutto or something like that? I am a thousand percent with you. Give me a little balsamic and I'm happy as a clam. But it has to start with the caprese salad. Then I'm going to go with a kale and quinoa tartlet. I think, I think uh, but we, we need to make an example of healthy food that can taste good. I like that stuff. I, I'm, I'm very into that kind of thing. So we go with the kale and quinoa tartlet. Maybe that even could go on the side. Maybe make a little communal plate of those and everyone can take one. Then we'll do an amuse-bouche. My amuse-bouche is going to be one buffalo wing only to be eaten with a knife and fork. 
If you don't eat the wings with the knife and fork, now you got the sauce on your fingers. You're going to smell like that for the rest of the night. You're surrounded by Masters champions. No one needs that. So the amuse-bouche is going to be one buffalo wing to be eaten with a knife and fork. Hey, uh, Greeny, can you um, just clarify what this uh, amuse-bouche is? An amuse-bouche. Yeah, what's an amuse, that? An amuse-bouche is a traditional, at a, at, a, at a formal dinner, there will be, the chef will prepare something very, very small. Amuse-bouche is French for making your mouth happy. And, and so they, there will be like a tiny little something. Sometimes it's like a little scallop or a little one spoonful of soup or something like that, which is why I'm serving something small in that, in that place. And it'll be a buffalo wing, which everyone loves, including me. But you don't need more than one because now it's going to ruin everything else you have after it. But you have to eat it with a knife and fork. I'm going to pause on that thought. I'll come back and give you my entree. And I'm pleased to say that we have received... Masters Champions dinners from Booger McFarland and Dan Orlovsky. So I'll let you know what those guys would be serving. I want to hear what you'd be serving. I will tell you the remainder of my Masters Champion dinner. And then I will tell you, as we get back to sports in a moment, the history that is being made literally as we speak. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Half past the hour, greeting with you on ESPN Radio and again streaming with you every day now on ESPN Plus along with a lot of other great stuff and delighted that you are with me here. In just a moment, I will tell you how history is being made right before our eyes early in this football season in the best possible way. But quickly, my favorite tradition of the many at the Masters is the Champions Dinner where the reigning champion gets to choose the menu. And I was just finishing up reading you my menu because it is my lifelong goal at this point. The two things I want to do in golf are A, shoot my age some point, which I think I have an excellent chance to do, and B, win the Masters, which I grant you is a lot less likely. But, you know, a man can dream. So if I were to ever win the Masters and thus get to design the menu for the Champions Dinner, we would serve a caprese salad because that always has to begin the meal, a kale and quinoa tartlet, 
and a moose-bouche would be the one buffalo wing to be eaten with a knife and fork. Then I would do a simply grilled fish, well done, sautéed spinach on the side, and green juice with apple, because you need a treat. And so the apple will sweeten it up a little bit. And that's, I think that's kind of what we need. I'm looking at some of the other dinners that people are suggesting. And I ask the question, do you really eat like that? Or, or are you just suggesting that you would serve this because it's a special night? Because, like, for example, Booger McFarland sent a note saying that he would serve fried chicken, black-eyed peas, cornbread, candy yams, green beans, sweet tea that was brewed in the sun, and sweet potato pie. And, and that, it sounds delicious, but here's the thing. You know what you're not going to be if you eat like that all the time? A master's champion. Like that, you can't, you're going to weigh 300 pounds. Dan, Dan Orlovsky, chicken parm, french fries, and penne vodka, oh, penne vodka and cheesecake. Chicken parm, french fries, penne with vodka sauce and cheesecake. Unless he means penne on the side and vodka. (laughs) I'm not sure which of those he means. The way it printed on my screen, it just says chicken parm, french fries, penne, vodka, cheesecake. There's no punctuation in there. So I don't know if they're supposed to be commas. I'm not sure which one he means. But either way, you know what you become if you eat all those? A lot fatter than Dan Orlovsky is right now. And he can hit a golf ball a really long way. So there's no way in the world... That that's what he could, he could serve that if he wants, but if he eats it, he's not winning the tournament that week, I can tell you that. Pete McConville, who uh, is the executive producer of the TV show I do in the mornings called Get Up, tweeted at me, my champion's dinner, pigs in a blanket, lamb chops with sautéed string beans, fudgy the whale, and booze. See, I, I sometimes think people just do this. Like, everyone's making fun of me on the Twitter right now, Greeny, you're just, be- this is the way I eat. Every now and again, I will treat myself to something. So if you want to say, okay, I'm treating myself on the night of the Masters Champions dinner, okay, I can live with that. I get it. If you're ever going to treat yourself, Lord knows, let it be that night. But I just want to confirm we're not all eating that way all the time, right? I want to just make sure that we're not all eating that way all the time. Because if our goal is to win the Masters, that's probably not going to make it work. Keep your meals tweeting at me. Use the hashtag Greeny, hashtag Greeny with a Y. I'll start reading yours coming up in just a few minutes here. In the meantime, uh, I will mention that here on ESPN Radio, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. All right, I told you history is being made right before our eyes. And I know this is premature. But A, no one is better at prematurely an ordaining stuff than I am, right? I am a professional overreactor. But I, rather than calling it an overreaction, I like to call it a first guess. So I'm going to tell you what I think we are seeing. The two most legendary quarterback classes in NFL draft history came in, two, in 1983, a draft class of six first-round quarterbacks, three of whom are in the Hall of Fame, John Elway, Jim Kelly, and Dan Marino. The others, uh, off the top of my head, I forget the order that they went in now. Marino went last. Ken O'Brien went before him to the Jets, and Todd Blackledge uh, went in there, and Tony Eason went in there. I forget the exact order in which they went. Kelly would have gone higher, but he went to the USFL. The point is those three guys were in that class. And then you fast forward about 20 years, and you get to the draft class that had in the first round Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. I believe all three of them will be in the Hall of Fame. And then you fast forward about 20 years. It's a little less, obviously. It's 16 years. And you get to the draft class of rookie quarterbacks who are playing right now. Now, I have no idea what Jordan Love is ever going to be. I have no idea if he's going to play. This was a year where we had four first-round quarterbacks, not three. But the three that we have seen, with one major caveat, 
I think have a chance to put themselves in that class. Because what Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are doing in the situations they were drafted into and placed in is just extraordinary. Joe Burrow was drafted into a terrible situation on a terrible team, and he is getting the crap kicked out of him every single week. And I guess one big concern that you would have is do the number of hits that he takes in his rookie year have any sort of repercussions down the road? I'm going to hope and assume they won't. Joe Burrow was the goods. Joe Burrow was going to be great. Justin Herbert might even be better. He's on a really good team, or not a really good team, but he's on a good team. Do you realize that he is leading the number two ranked offense in the National Football League as a rookie, flinging it around the yard, looking wise well beyond his years, and more athletic than I realized, and big and strong. He looks terrific. So those two guys, I think, are great. And then Tua, who everyone said, if it weren't for the health concerns, would be the best of them all, has so far played one game, and he looks like he could be the best of them all. The big concern I have with Tua, of course, is the obvious one, his ability to stay healthy. And not only does he need to get rid of the ball more quickly, which was the knock on him in college, not try and make the hero play, but someone needs to teach that kid how to slide. Brian Flores needs to hire a, a baseball coach to spend the offseason with Tua Tungavailoa just teaching him to slide. The baseball players all who become football players all can do it. Patrick Mahomes can slide. Russell Wilson can slide. Kyler Murray can slide because they all played baseball. Tua Tungavailoa has obviously never played baseball in his life because he has no idea how to slide. And the one time I saw him try to do it Sunday, it was physically painful. It looked like he might get hurt without getting hit. And he did it head first, and of course he takes a big hit. So that's the big question mark on him. But I believe we could be seeing the beginnings of the kind of quarterback class that we talk about with those others. I can't sit here and tell you they're all winding up in the Hall of Fame considering that they've combined played a total of, I think, 16 games. But boy, I'm impressed. And I think the future of the league couldn't look brighter because those three guys looked that kind of good. All right, coming up uh, again, I will read some more of your meals because I'm really enjoying those. And then I will tell you exactly how the best thing that could happen this week could actually happen this week. Now on ESPN Plus. Do you know what I've lived through as a fan of this franchise? The daily video stream of Greeny with Mike Greenberg. The big personality has worked against him. It has bit him in the butt this year. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. The Max Kellerman Show. Dan Lebitard. And Janae Angola Jr. can now be seen exclusively on ESPN Plus. With ESPN Plus, you'll get access to each show. Plus live sports, exclusive originals, and more. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Back with you here on ESPN Radio, Greeny with you. And a reminder, there are so many different ways that you and I can hang out each and every day. Obviously, here on ESPN Radio was one of them. Another of them now is ESPN Plus. As I've told you, we stream our show there now every single day. You can check in anytime you'd like. And I will remind you that we are also a podcast. You can always find both hours of the show posted daily as a podcast. That's available wherever you listen to podcasts. It is called Hashtag Greeny. Meanwhile, time for a little straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. This just coming across in the last little while. We told you at the beginning of the show, Ben Roethlisberger among four Steelers placed on the COVID list today for being a close contact of Vance McDonald, who tested positive. So Roethlisberger is in the same situation that Matthew Stafford was last week. If he tests negative every day the remainder of this week, He'll be eligible to play Sunday. The Steelers play the Bengals. They, the Steelers, are the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. I said, you know, it looked to me like Stafford did not play well, and you'll never know if it really was connected to that. I looked up the numbers against Minnesota. He was 23 of 32, 211 yards, two interceptions, then left the game to be checked for a concussion in the fourth quarter. It wasn't a good day for the Lions in any way or for Stafford. No idea if missing practice all week had anything to do with that. Here I have this note from Brooke Pryor, our NFL Nation Steelers reporter. She says, Mike Tomlin says, as long as players on COVID list like Roethlisberger will work remotely, as long as they test negative, they will play Sunday. So again, if you're thinking about that because you care about the Steelers, if you're thinking about that for fantasy considerations, gambling considerations, or wherever else it might be, Tomlin says today that if those guys continue to test negative, including the quarterback, then they will play on Sunday. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Okay, we have an idea for a new feature, and it is going to be called a minute and change. And here's how it's going to work. We are going to assign roughly a minute, maybe a little more than a minute, to a topic, and I'm going to give you my opinion on that topic for just that amount of time, because some things don't require four or five minutes. Some things need you to move it along quickly. So hashtag Bubba, who is a bit of a taskmaster, is going to be all over me, We are going to run a timer on this thing, and we will not go one second longer than the amount of time allotted. So the first topic is going to be why the Steelers are the only team that can beat the Chiefs in the AFC. We had a little bit of a discussion like this on Get Up today. Dan Orlovsky has given me Buffalo. Dan Graziano has given me the Raiders. I'm here to tell you there is only one team that can beat Kansas City in the AFC. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I need about a minute and 12 seconds to tell you. So, Bubba, give me a minute 12 on the clock in three, two, one. There are two primary reasons why Pittsburgh is the only team that can beat Kansas City. The first of them is named Ben Roethlisberger, because Ben Roethlisberger is the one guy who I believe will go toe-to-toe with Mahomes late in the game if he needs to and not blink, not in any way, because he's got the weapons to do it, he's got the experience to do it, and he's got the toughness to do it. I have long been a huge fan of Roethlisberger. I think he gets knocked a lot. But Ben Roethlisberger, I think, has things in his game and still does that separate him from most of the other really good quarterbacks out there right now. So are you telling me, if you look at some of these other contenders, Josh Allen, having a great year. You like him toe-to-toe with Mahomes late in a playoff game? How about Derek Carr, having a great year? You like him toe-to-toe with Mahomes? No question in my mind, the one guy who can go toe-to-toe with Mahomes, if need be, for one fourth quarter, is Ben. 
He can get that kind of hot, and he's got the weapons to do it in Claypool and Juju. The other factor here is the defense. You cannot beat Patrick Mahomes just by putting him on the bench. Carolina tried to do that the other day. They ran 20 more plays than Kansas City did. And you know what wound up happening? Mahomes beat him because he got on the field just enough times. You have to stop them at least once or twice in the second half. And the Steelers, I'm going to need a little extra time. The Steelers are going to be the only team whose defense can do that. The Ravens can't do it. The Ravens' defensive philosophy against Kansas City was just terrible week three, and that coordinator can't help himself. Buffalo's defense isn't good enough. The Vegas' defense isn't nearly good enough. Miami's defense might be good enough, but they don't have the offensive weapons to do it. The one team that can play with Kansas City on both sides of the ball is Pittsburgh, and that's it. All right, so that was more than a minute 12, Bubba. How'd we, you're supposed to cut me off. The whole idea... Well, I, we hit the buzzer. What do you want to call it? Two minutes and change? Well, I mean, uh, but the show was called Hashtag Greeny. I can, I, can, I can ignore the buzzer, I think, if I right. so choose. Well, you, so you, you chose, I guess. Okay, so that's the first one. The second one is why, despite absolutely everyone else's projections and the way he is playing... Tiger Woods could still win the Masters. This is what I meant when I said why the best thing that could happen this week could happen this week. Here's why Tiger Woods could win the Masters in a minute and eight seconds. Give me a minute and eight on the clock, a minute and change, Bubba in three, two, one. It's a one-word answer, and that word is experience. Listen, if you watched last year, Tiger Woods had guys hitting the ball in the drink left and right around it because the Tiger effect is still a thing in golf. But it will not be this year because the one thing that course will be this year that it's never been before is empty. There will be no patrons. And so the roars that I think have always gotten into guys under guys' skin and I think impacted Kepka last year and it kept, um, impacted Molinari last year and a bunch of these other guys, I really believe that is not as much a factor. But the one thing Tiger Woods knows how to do is play that course and win on it. And I don't believe Bryson DeChambeau does. So I think that this is a tournament this year that will be won by one of the old guard. I do not like DeChambeau at all. Would I pick Tiger? Obviously not. But I would not write it off. I would not write the possibility of it off. Because he knows how to put those greens. He knows where to miss on that course. And the most important thing in God, at, at, at the Masters is knowing when a bogey can win you the championship. Like on number 12. The most important thing is not to try and make a two on 12. It's not to make a five. And that's what all those guys did last year. And that's why they all fell by the wayside. And that is how Tiger Woods, in a minute and eight seconds, could win the Masters this weekend. That's a minute and change. This is Ian Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Marcus Spears joins me talking football next. Greeny, the podcast. 